Psalm 104, verses 24 through 35. How many are your works, Lord? In wisdom you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. There is the sea, vast and spacious, teeming with creatures beyond number, living things both large and small. There the ships go to and fro, and Leviathan, which you formed to frolic there. All creatures look to you to give them their food at proper time. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are satisfied with good things. When you hide your face, they are terrified. When you take away their breath, they die and return to the dust. When you send your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the ground. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. He who looks at the earth and it trembles, who touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. May my meditation be pleasing to him as I rejoice in the Lord. But may sinners vanish from the earth and the wicked be no more. Praise the Lord, my soul. Praise the Lord. When such a gift came down to me when all around was lost. He changed my life, he made me whole, he paid my bitter cost. The last command my Savior gave just before we had to part. The great commission starts in the heart. Though I'm unworthy of his love,
Today is the day of the year that Pentecost falls on, and I want us to be reminded of, of how great of an event that was and how wonderful of a time that was whenever the day of Pentecost came and we read about it in Acts chapter 2. But before we get there, I want to make sure that we appreciate this journey leading up to that, because it's not like that is where the story begins. Now, I mean, you know, you can read that and you can say that's where the church began, but you can't read it and say that's where the story of God begins. Because really, on the day of Pentecost, what is released there is the Holy Spirit is given upon all of these people who are believers in Christ. But you know what? The Spirit has been involved since the very beginning. In fact, the very second verse of the Bible talks about the Spirit of God, and he's involved in that creation from long ago. And the psalm that was the scripture reading this, this morning, it talked about how God's Spirit comes and brings life. It breathes life into everything around it. And we're going to see how that happened also in the New Testament. But before we get there, let's visit one more passage from the Old Testament. This passage is Ezekiel 37, and it's probably a well-known passage to you, but I would like to suggest to you that oftentimes we focus on the wrong part. I mean, I've probably been guilty of this even myself because this is where we get the valley of the dry bones, okay? I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that before we, we read it. And you know, so many times we focus on the dry bones, but yet really... What the Bible tells us from the book of Ezekiel even itself and, and what Ezekiel is told by God is the focus is not so much on the bones. In fact, it's not really on the bones hardly at all. Let's read it together. Ezekiel 37, 1 through 8. The hand of the Lord was on me and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of the valley. It was full of dry bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them. But there was no breath in them. Verses 9 through 14. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breath, from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say, our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, my people, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring them up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know 
that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord. Now, this passage right here, like I said, so many times we focus on these bones, but really there's so much more that is the focus. The focus, we're even told what the bones represent. In verse 11, these bones are the people of Israel. These bones are just this visual representation that Ezekiel experiences right here. And he sees this, this group of bones that is all dead and he sees them come to life. That's what God is saying is going to be like whenever he breathes new life, new breath, his spirit into the people of Israel, the chosen ones of God in verse 14. Now, you know, I, I want you to kind of start to, to understand how an amazing sight this would have been. And let me kind of illustrate it with something that I think might be able to relate a little bit more to us because, you know, whenever we read this passage, um, you know, th there's a few things that we need to understand in order to better appreciate it. Uh, one of them is this term about wind and breath. Uh, by the way, in both the Hebrew and the Greek, the terms for like breath and air and, and wind and spirit are all wrapped up and all related to one another. You know, I mean, for us, we've got all these different words for them, but to them, all of those things are combined in. So when you read about wind and breath and the spirit, you're reading about the same things being lumped together. And sometimes those images, they go back and forth using that. So understand that when you read this passage right here. This breath is representative of the spirit. In fact, that's what he says in verse 11 and verse 14. He tells us that this is a passage about the spirit coming and being among his people. Now, in the book of Ezekiel, uh, I think you've probably uh, kind of caught on to, to uh, some of that of what's going on right here is the people of Israel are not in the land of Israel right now. Okay, They've been exiled. They've been taken away from that because of their disobedience. And God is saying, I'm going to bring you back. I'm going to breathe new breath into you. You're going to have my spirit and great things are going to happen. But now let's focus on this one part, the, the part that I said, let's not focus necessarily as much on. Okay, That's the bones. Okay, I want you to understand about these bones. Because to us, you know, it's kind of kind of a weird image. You know, maybe even uh, a little bit we might look at that and think, well, that's kind of a little creepy even. But uh, let me give you another way of looking at, at these bones and thinking about them. Have you ever gone to a museum and, and seen a whole bunch of, of bones? Like like this one right here. See, I, I kind of collected things. Now, uh, this actually isn't, uh, isn't a real bone. This is um, just a, a replica of it. It's just a copy of it. But this is the, the right size of what it would be. This is a claw, actually. So this would be a, a claw of one of these dinosaurs. You know, Have you ever seen a skeleton of a dinosaur and just maybe sat there and thought about what would this look like if it was brought to life and able to, to run around and stuff? You know, we, we kind of can think about that with the dinosaur bones because we oftentimes see them in their bone format. And could you imagine bringing that creature back to life. I mean, movies have been made about it. Series of movies have been made about bringing dinosaurs back and, you know, bringing things that are dead back to life. See, we look at these bones and to many people, we just see, you know, death. I mean, something's died. But to God, when he breathes new life back into it, we see that there is hope. To the people of Israel, they thought there was no hope. They thought they were just dried out bones. They didn't think that life was going to come among them. But God said, I will put my spirit in you and you will live. In fact, Jesus in the New Testament, he talked about this and he actually kind of explains sort of when that's going to take place and how that's going to take place. 
And it was different than sort of what they might have thought uh, by, by looking at Ezekiel. But yet, it is a fulfillment of Ezekiel. And so many other prophets, too. They were told that uh, things are going to be restored and the Holy Spirit is going to be among them. Well, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would come to help his disciples. Let's turn to the New Testament, to the book of John, chapter 15. In John, chapter 15, verses 26 through 27, Jesus is, is talking to his disciples. It's a really uh, intimate gathering right here. And one of the things that he tells them is, he says, When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. He talks about the Spirit of truth. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. And by the way, if you back up into the previous chapter and go into the next chapter, so basically John um, well, really even maybe 13, but definitely uh, 14, 15, and 16. All of those chapters talk about um, time and, and again, the Holy Spirit coming and how he's going to breathe new life and what that's going to look like. And right here, Jesus compares the Holy Spirit to a spirit of truth. We know he's involved in truth, but he's also compared to this advocate. And depending on your translation, that, that's kind of an interesting word that gets translated different ways. Um, you know, sometimes we, we might think about it and it gets translated in the, the sense of he's a comforter to us. You know, he, he helps us in those, uh, an advocate. Um, he, he is an advocate on our behalf. You know, he kind of speaks for us. He's, he's a little bit of a go-between. Um, some of these images might kind of overlap a little bit and they definitely all connect with, with one another and who the Spirit is. The Spirit is going to provide help for those who are following God. That's what Jesus told his own disciples. See, they were still waiting for it. I mean, this is hundreds of years after Ezekiel prophesied uh, that and after he, he was shown that vision. But yet, Jesus is saying, it's still going to be coming. Okay, The Spirit of truth is coming. And we see, when we turn to uh, Acts chapter 2, we see that the Holy Spirit comes on the church on the day of Pentecost, this very day. So in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment. Because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who were speaking Galileans? How then is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? And Peter goes on and he preaches a sermon. And he tells them that, look, this is a fulfillment of prophecy. He says it's a fulfillment of, of Joel. Yeah, it's a fulfillment of Joel. It's also a fulfillment of Ezekiel 37 that we just looked at. There's so many passages that talk about how the Holy Spirit is going to come. This is the moment that he came on the day of Pentecost. Today is really the birthday of the church. You know, I mean, I, I don't know that we really think about it very much like that, but it most certainly is the birthday of the church. So I guess I say to you all who are the church, happy birthday today. You know, every year that passes is another year that we, that we demonstrate what, what Jesus said. Whenever he said in, in uh, Matthew 16 that the gates of death, the gates of Hades, are never going to conquer the church. That's what he said. 
And we're living proof of that. We're 2,000 years strong. And we see that, that every single year that we are in existence, we're living these things out and showing that death has not come to the church. No, life has come through the church. Of course, through the help of the Holy Spirit. Now, I think it's so important that we recognize that the Holy Spirit is so important. We see that he begins to fill the church right here. But if we keep looking throughout the pages of the book of Acts and throughout even the church today, what we see is the Holy Spirit is still working among us. He is working throughout the pages of the book of Acts, throughout the rest of the New Testament, and he is working in the church today. The Holy Spirit is coming is so important. And we see a few images that are related to the Spirit. And, and once again, this is kind of like the, the dry bones. The dry bones is not so much the, the focus there. The focus needs to be on the Spirit breathing new life into them. And right here, sometimes we look at this and we, we say, oh, well, there's, these, uh, there's this wind and then there's this fire. And we connect all these with the Holy Spirit. And yes, that's true. That's part of it. But, you know, I mean, we've seen fire and we've seen wind being connected many times to God. And right here, many times to His Spirit. We see this once again, but the importance is not the wind, it's not the fire, it's the fact that the Holy Spirit has come. Those are just ways that he, he revealed himself right here. We see the main thing is the Holy Spirit has come, and with that, the birth of the church. Good news is going to be proclaimed throughout uh, the, the entire world. That's what the book of Acts continues to carry on. And that's what today kind of represents is the start of that on the day of Pentecost. Today is the birthday of the church. And I want you to kind of think about this too. I have here a small birthday candle. And you know, maybe the next time that you see a birthday celebration, whenever we, we all come together and the candles are lit and you got all this fire, you know, it, it kind of does represent what's going on right here in this in these pages because we see that tongues of fire it came and it rested upon each one of them that were in the house they were filled with the holy spirit but you know there was something else that happened there too and something else happens whenever we have a birthday celebration doesn't it there comes a time whenever we blow out the candles and that is like the that is like the wind that came all of these things point to the spirit whether they be the fire or whether they be the wind. They remind us of the Holy Spirit coming and how the, the church was birthed on the day of Pentecost. And I want to share one more passage with you, though. In Acts chapter 5, we see that, that the apostles give a defense for what they're doing. In Acts 5, verses 30 through 32, the apostles say, the God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. See, the Holy Spirit has been given by God to those who obey him. Let's make sure that we celebrate that the Holy Spirit has been given to us. We see that on, on the, the birth of the church, there were thousands of people who responded to this message. They were baptized in the name of Jesus. They received forgiveness of sins. They repented and changed their ways, and they received the Holy Spirit on that day. Let's make sure that we can join in that number. Let's make sure that we let 
our light shine and let the Spirit move among us to bring people to Christ.